You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Good morning, church. Our scripture reading this morning is in Psalm 19, just the first verse. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, choir master. We are excited. We are humbly um, anticipating something wonderful to happen in our lives these next several weeks. I want to begin by just making the statement that we all know, but just to remind one another at the very essence of the meaning of our existence is a relationship, a very important relationship, a relationship that we have with our creator. That is not hyperbole. That is not an overstatement. Our meaning for life, our meaning in life is directly connected to the one who gives life, the one who created our life. You and I were created on purpose, and you and I were created with purpose. The creator has a plan for your life. He has a plan for everything that he creates Our creator God has a plan and a purpose for you. Listen, this may be what you need to hear at this season, at the beginning of this year. There is meaning in your life. There's meaning in your life. There's meaning in creation. There's meaning given to us by the creator. So I want to ask you this. How is your relationship with the creator? If the essence of our meaning exists in this relationship that we have with God, our creator, how is your relationship with your creator? It's not a complicated question to ask. It's a short question. How is my relationship with the creator God? And although it's a clear and direct question, there might be many who struggle to come up with a clear and direct Answer, when I think of God, what do I think about him? How do I feel about him? If I were to ask you this question uh, for those women who are married, how is your relationship with your husband? That's not a dramatic pause. I, I would be able to discern within a few minutes of conversation and dialogue with you whether you are a person who tolerates him, try to change him, try to put him or squeeze him into your hallmark example or idea of what a husband should be like, or whether you are a woman who admires him, 
our language and how we answer the question, how is your relationship with your husband, can be heard and how you might him haul around about how you feel and don't feel. In fact, we can do this with any relationship, can't we? If I asked you about your boss or your teacher, your coach, your wife, your pastor, your anyone, fill in the blank. Within a few minutes of describing that person, that someone, we will be able to notice how you feel about them. And here's the thing. When we lose respect for or admiration of another person, that relationship that we have with that person might slip into two possible realities. When we lose admiration and respect for someone that we're in relationship with, there's a possibility that we will slip in two realities. One, that relationship will be an adversarial relationship, or that relationship, too, will be a pitiful relationship. What do I mean by that? When we lose respect and admiration for somebody that we are in relationship with, it could become an adversarial relationship with meaning that person is an oppressor. Or you might say, I am against Ralph. He is an oppressor. He's a disruptor. He's one big problem in my life. Life would be so much easier if Ralph were not in it. If Ralph were not putting on these expectations of me, if Ralph were not always kind of bumping into my way, if Ralph were more perfect, if Ralph was better. So you hear that? There's this adversarial relationship with Ralph. Because we have lost admiration and respect, we can slip into this. He is a problem, not a help, not an encouragement, not a joy. The relationship can slip into a pitiful relationship also. When we lose admiration or respect for somebody, it could sound a little bit like this. You know, I don't expect much from Ralph. He rarely comes through when I think that he should come through. Ralph is really only disappointed. Every time I've gone to Ralph and asked him for something, anytime I've given Ralph something, he doesn't do it the way I want him to do it. So anytime I delegate any kind of authority or work over to Ralph, it doesn't work. So Ralph probably needs me more than I need him. Poor Ralph. We should make sure on Ralph's birthday that we make a big deal about it. Ralph needs it. He needs praise. How is your relationship with your creator? Is it adversarial? Is it pitiful? Do you pity God in some way? Are you working against God in some way? Is he annoying you? Or do you just sort of like, well, we should go to church on Easter and Sunday and whatever. Would you describe your relationship as chummy? He's your pal. Are you in some sort of, you think, contract or an agreement with him? Do you talk to him? Do you treat him Perhaps like a genie that you rub on the lamp. Oh, I need this raise. I need this raise. I need this car. I need this house. I need this girlfriend, this boyfriend. So I'm going to rub this bottle. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to check all the boxes so that maybe, poof, 
He'll give me three wishes. To you, is he approachable? Does he disturb you? Does he horrify you? Does he terrify you? Does he disgust you? Do you feel love for him? And do you love him? Does he intrigue you? Does he bore you? Today we begin a new series that I pray will help you come to an answer to the question, how is your relationship with the creator? I pray that this series lead you and help you come to a clear, direct answer that's also an answer that's filled with amazement and joy of him. In this series, we're going to look at two chapters in Psalms, Psalm 19 and Psalm 145. We are going to go verse by verse through these chapters. It will take a while. Just get used to it, okay? It just will. We are going to unpack these. My prayer and my hope is that we grow in all of the majestic one who created us, who gives us meaning in life, that we boldly live out that purpose and that meaning as God's creation and that we glow and that we burn as people in awe of him as he launches us out to the nations and to your workplaces. What is your relationship with the Creator. Yes, I am praying by the end of the series you, series, you will join me in answering the question this way. I am in awe of the living God. That's my prayer. Cards are on the table. That's where we're going. Why? Because we see in Scripture that that is what brings us the most joy. It brings Him the most glory. Perhaps that does not define your relationship with God right now. Perhaps at this moment in your life, deep down, if you're honest, you're like, well, I'm not only in awe, I'm not only not in awe of God, what little awe I have of him, I do want more awe of him. Maybe that's where you are. And here's the deal. As we start out this series, we begin to ask these questions, begin to look at this. Let's go ahead and admit there are a host of hundreds, thousands of experiences in your lifetime, situations in your life that have caused you to be where you are in this relationship with God. But at the most pure, the most stripped down explanations of why we are not more in awe of God than we should be, more than we could be, I think it comes down to these two things. One, we have not been led to be in awe of God, which means we have not been led to God. Secondly, I think we are not in awe of God like we should because we do not encounter God habitually. We do not seek him. We do not go after him. We do not look for him. We do not listen to him. We do not even want to follow him. So let's pray that God would help us be led to him and help us encounter him. Holy God, we thank you for this opportunity, for this privilege. We pray that you'd be glorified 
by our seeking. That you'd be glorified by our receiving from you. So give and open us up that our hands are turned open and that our clenched fists are released and that we are ready to hear you and receive you and be changed by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So it's obvious that I pray that the Spirit of God does something beautiful here each week in our life. Let's begin by answering this. How can we begin to grow in all of God? We are looking at these two psalms that help us grow in all of God. Psalm 19, Psalm 145. I I encourage you to turn to Psalm 19 with us. The first thing I want to encourage you to do if you want to grow in all of God is this. Number one, we should pray for and look for leaders who are in all of God. You're like, wait, I, that's not where I thought we would go. Obviously, Ralph is out. For those of you who remember me talking bad about Ralph. We should pray for and look for leaders who are in awe of God. We should, here's the two things we should pray for. We should pray for God to raise these leaders up, and we should pray for God to hold these leaders up. Where do I get that? At the very beginning of each chapter. I said we're going to go slow. Look with me in Psalm 19.1. To the choir master, a psalm of David. That's today's text. Not really, but kind of. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That last part, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. That's next week. We are, that's a teaser. That's a, hey, here's what's coming. But why I include it in here today is because there was a leader named David who wants to make something known. So much so that he enlists the choir master, you lead them to sing this. This is a leader who wants to declare that the heavens declare the glory of God. We see it at the beginning of Psalm 145 also. Just listen to this as he as we begin the text in Psalm 145. A song of praise of David. When you're reading, do you just sort of skip over that? We're going to dive into it a little more. But here's what the song consists of. This is just, again, part of what we're going to look at. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. How often will I do this? Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Why? Great is the Lord and greatly to be Praised and his greatness is unsearchable. It's so great that it doesn't start and stop with me. One generation shall commend your works to another. They shall declare your mighty acts, not mine as the king, not mine as my in my kingdom. We're going to declare the mighty acts of God on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your works. I will meditate. The beginning of both these psalms sets for us 
something very important. We notice that there is a leader that is establishing value and meaning for his people. This is a king in all of God. And he is making something clear to his messengers. It's like he's saying, okay, choir master, did you know? There's a creator God that has chosen to reveal himself. So I, as the leader of these people, want the entire nation to join me in looking up at his glory and looking into deeply the scriptures to know him. This is a leader who's pointing people to the glory of God, to be in awe of God. This is a leader who makes the decisive act. I will extol God above everything, above anything. I will make this praise, my feelings about him. I'm going public with it. Bushel's not going to keep this light down. This relationship I have with our Creator is not meant to be private. Therefore, I'm not only going to say it, I'm going to write about it, I'm going to sing about it, I'm going to employ people around me. Their whole purpose and job in my kingdom is to help you sing it with me. This king has a relationship with God that leaves him in awe so much that it affects not just his public life that we see here that's written, but also his private life. We're going to get to this later. But at the very end of Psalm 19, we see these words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is a king This is a leader who's not concerned that they applaud him. He is concerned that they applaud God. This is the leader we should pray for. We should pray that God raises up leaders like this. We must pray for, and we must look for this. We must not only pray for this, we must look for leaders who are in all of God. David is not just trying to have a cool record label here. He's not just trying to get a sleek book deal going. This is his life. Look with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Actually, verse chapter 16 is where we're going to spend a lot of our time, but what we see here in Chronicles 15 is something amazing. We don't have time to read the whole section of what's going on. We're going to read a lot of the section toward the end of the sermon. But what's happening here is the ark of God is returned to God's people. This is the understanding of the very presence of God has come back to bless the people. This is a big day. This is an amazing day of celebration. We see at the end of chapter 15, um, all the way down through verse 7 of 16, that David is organizing a response to this amazing victory. He's not claiming victory that he did this. He's not saying my soldiers did this. He's not saying my cabinet did this. He's not saying my committee did this. He is saying God has done this. He has blessed us. So what is he doing? 
He personally celebrates what God has done, and then he goes public with that. And here's the thing that might make us a little uncomfortable. He organizes corporate shouting and singing. Verse 28, it says, So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant to the Lord with shouting the sound of the horn, trumpets, and cymbals, and made loud music on harps and lyres. And then in verse 16, we see other things that are getting into place at the bottom of toward, um, we see in verse Five about he lists all these names of people who are getting in place. He's organizing as a leader, he's assigning roles to these people to play harps and cymbals and blow trumpets loudly. Why? To lead the people to sing of the glory and the awe of God. It's not just privately, it's not just a one-time thing. David has this moment of victory that he sees coming for the people and all he wants to do is unite the people to sing to God. He literally cannot contain his marvel and joy in God. He invites the people to join him. We see in starting in verse 7 all the way down through the most of the rest of the chapter is another song from David that he sings and he leads the people to sing. We should pray, first of all, for God to raise up leaders like this. In our day, we should pray this in our day for all people. We should pray this in our day for every nation. When we pray for Sudan this week, are you praying this? Are you praying that God would raise up leaders in all of God? When you pray for other churches around the community like we do each week, we have a church that we pray for, will you join me in praying this for that church? Let me ask you, when you say the words or read the words or sing the song, God bless America, what blessing are you hoping for? Are you hoping for leaders like this? Because any other blessing is going to be subpar. What does your idea of God blessing America look like? Listen, in our nation, in our state, in our schools, in our city, in our homes, we should pray that God raise up leaders in all of him. Men and women who live stunned by the glory of God. Not overwhelmed by debt, not overwhelmed by finances and problems, aware of them, working to help solve them, but the only thing that they're overwhelmed by and stunned and awe of is the majesty of God. We must pray that God would raise up leaders who are in awe of God. We must also pray that God hold up leaders who are in awe of God. Leaders, David included, can lose their awe of God. David, I mean, Paul Tripp calls this awe amnesia. 
And he says, from Adam and Eve, every person since then, we have a forgetfulness of the grandeur of God, and we lose our grandeur of God for lesser things, things we can build, things we can construct, things that we can see and touch. So I beg you, as we begin this series, to join me in praying for God to raise up leaders here who are in awe of God more than anything else. And I ask you and beg you to join me to pray for the leaders in the church who are in awe of God, that that God hold us to be in awe of God, that he hold us up. What I mean by this is that we would be more in awe of God, of new buildings, of budgets, of space, of crowds, of money surpluses or money deficits. No, that we would each week wake up every day, oh God, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Join me every week in praying that you're minister to students. Be in awe of God. You want numbers? You want somebody to chase programs and Bouncy houses. I don't know what students do nowadays, but obviously I'm not the guy for it. But we want, we want Corey to always be in awe of God and that God hold him to that. And that that's the compass that our students are marching and following. Pray with me for our missions pastor to be in awe of God that he is more stunned that he even gets to participate in the great adventure of leading the nations to be having joy in Christ, that he can't believe he gets to have joy in Christ. Pray that that David would hold up in awe of God. Pray with me for our minister to children. You saw all the kids leave here. What I love is that this huge problem of kids going back there, I don't hear stress from Lauren. I haven't heard stress from her in over a month. (laughs) She's on maternity leave, if you didn't know that. But way before that, I just don't see it, Lauren. Why? Because sometimes I'll walk into Lauren's office and she's in the Word and she's listening to worship music. Sometimes I'll come over here and she's prayer walking, filling stuff in the pews, and she's singing to the Lord. I've even seen her not meaning like I'm following my staff everywhere, but I've even seen her stop and just be in awe of God. Pray with me that God hold her there. Pray with me that God would hold our elders to be in awe of God. The temptation to want to serve you well with excellence, to hear you and to help you. And it, 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 so many times the, the, the problems, the The things we're not doing well can outweigh the things that we feast on and think that God is doing that we cannot see. Pray that God would help us and hold us to be in awe of God and pray that the people who come up on this stage, the choir masters, the worship minister, the the team, that God hold them to be in awe of God. Do you Take time during the week. I'm talking to you, covenant members, to pray. I mean, you got a visual of who sits here, who stands here, who's banging stuff back here, who's doing stuff. Like, do you take time during the week to pray? Oh, God, just real simply, hold them this week. Hold them. 
Hold them. It could be that we have less men and women in all of God today, or it could be that we leading us to God, I should say, or it could be that we just don't value or listen to them. So the second thing I want to encourage you to not only pray for leaders who aren't all of God, we should also listen to and learn from others who are in awe of God. Let me ask you, who is influencing your life? Is it an athlete? Is it an entertainer? Is it a bachelor? Bachelorette? Is it a famous mega church leader with great books who sounds really good? Is it a politician? Good one? Bad one? What are they in awe of? What overwhelms them? It's one thing to have leaders who are in awe of God in the right places, but are we listening to them? Are we following them? Not because they are perfect, but because what they want more than anything is for you to not sing their praises but for you to sing God's praises. What we see here in this text is something that we don't have a lot of time to give a glimpse to. I don't know if you noticed it, but we read verse 28, a little bit of that, and then we come to verse 29. It says, of chapter 15, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David. So before this, the instrumentalists were already sounding stuff. After this, David organizes even more of it and gets it going, and he has a whole chapter where he's singing. But right here, this verse pains me. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David dancing and rejoicing, and she despised him in her heart. The relationship with Michael and David is a, is a hard one. Again, that's what we don't have time to get into today. David, in this text, and before and after it and all throughout, he's never claiming that he is perfect. He's never claiming that he didn't wrong anybody. He's never claiming that there hasn't been ugly and bad things that have happened. He is claiming that there's one who is worthy of praise. And because of the tangled relationship with the leader, with this person, Michael looked and despised him. She's missing out. Before we get into all of the complexities of the singer, we are remembering today that the singer is not bringing attention to the singer. The singer is bringing attention to the one who created everything. Listen, there are things about me that you probably don't like. Just don't tell my mom that. Don't tell my wife that. Just don't tell my mom that. There are things about how I do my hands or my voice or there's things I say or there are things I give attention to or I don't give attention to. And it's not just me. It's other people on staff. It's elders. It's other church people that you come and listen we disappoint. We will drop the ball. I'm still going to do my very best 
if you pray for me to do my very best, to point us to God who never drops any ball. Pray for leaders and listen to the leaders that God has in your life, even if they're imperfect. Third thing we can do is join in and sing with those who are in awe of God. We pray for God to raise up and hold the men and women who are in awe of God, and we listen and we follow them. But David, with these psalms, which you'll see each week, we see that the Holy Spirit inspired the king to write a song to give to the people. And the invitation is, join me, join me, sing, sing, sing. Because these are just going to sound really loud unless you sing loud. That was not intended to be timely. It is not the worship leader's desire for us to walk away and say, wow, what a wonderful worship leader. But instead that we say, wow, what a wonderful experience of knowing God. May we let others sing songs, lesser songs, about lesser joys, but may we be people like in First Chronicles, Psalm 19, Psalm 145, where we are singing with people who are in awe of God. I love that Psalm 19, Psalm 145, we see that in, we also see it in First Chronicles 16, that David, as a leader, is commissioning someone on his staff to, to compose. He's employing songwriters. We see it throughout the Psalms. Did you know that throughout Scripture, we see at least 20 passages of Scripture where the people of God are instructed to sing a new song to the Lord? Why is that? I love some of the ancient songs. One time, those songs were new songs. But we must not rest on what has been sung, what has been sung by men and women who were in awe of God, who might still be in awe of God. I want us to sing songs by men and women who were in awe of God, old songs. So some of y'all who don't like old songs, probably not the place for you. We're going to sing old songs. But I want us to come up and write and sing new songs of people who are in awe of God today. Join me in singing that. One of my prayers for my staff is that our staff, that we are a writing staff, that we are a creating staff, that we are, God is pouring his love and sovereign grace and creativity in us so that we can write out, sing out those things that God wants us to communicate. It's okay with me. Here's the peering pastor again. To walk in on staff and they're at work with their earbuds on composing stuff. I want Sam to be the most free person on the staff so he can write new stuff over and over and over again and give them to you and say to you, join me. Let's sing about this God. 
Sorry, Sam, no amens on that one, but we're working on it. In my relationship with God, how do we grow in awe of God? We pray, we look for leaders who are in awe of God. We learn and follow people who are in awe of God. We join in singing the songs of people who are in awe of God. But most importantly, number four, we come to Jesus. I want to read from a text in Hebrews. Listen to this text. Talking about Jesus, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the world, by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is an amazing text for us. You want to know how to be in awe of God? Come to Jesus. After making purifications for sins, that means after coming, giving his perfect life on the cross to pay for your sins. He gave you the opportunity to now in faith come to God through Christ. The beginning of chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Come to Jesus. Pay attention to Christ, in Christ's own words. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 11. Listen to this invitation. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your Gracious will. Verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by the Father. You want to be in awe of God? Well, all things from the Father have been handed over to Jesus. It says, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. And listen to this grand invitation. Come to me. You want to be in awe of God? Listen to Jesus' invitation to you today. Come to me. Come to me. Who? The good? The, the, the ones who are already in awe of God? No. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Purification, freedom, peace, glory. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with Jesus, who is the Son of of God, who is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus, the King of kings, comes to help you and me with our all 
problem. And he says, come to me. If you struggle with an all problem, you want to grow more in your all problem, I encourage you, first of all, pray for leaders to be in awe of God. Listen and learn from leaders who are in awe, or others even, who are in awe of God. Sing, join in. Get, take that step in, those who are in awe of God. But most importantly, come to Jesus. Before you leave here today and go out and into the, the dampness of the world and start the day, there's going to be people up here at the front at the end that you can come talk to and say, I want to know more about coming to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come to God through Jesus. You may not even remember all those words. Just come and say what he said, help me. And we're here for you, to help you. Come to Jesus and be in awe of God. Let's pray. Lord, it is my my desire to submit myself to you, to proclaim your greatness so that every person here grows in awe of God, making that you then would make aware to them their meaning in life, their purpose in life. I pray that everyone in this room would join the choir master in singing that the heavens declare the glory of God. And that we don't get tired of it. We don't get annoyed by it. But we join in. Help us, Lord, do that with the remainder of our time. I want to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to read part of this song in 1 Chronicles 16. This is me inviting you in, inviting you to, to join me, to join David, to join the host of all the saints who have gone before you, those who are meeting right now all over the world, those who are in heaven and all of the angelic realm who proclaim the worthiness of God. This is an invitation for you to join in singing a new song with me. This is part of what David said as the ark came in. This is part of his song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and he is to be held in all above all gods for all the gods of the people are idols but the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him and strength and joy are in his place ascribe to the Lord O clans of the peoples ascribe to the Lord glory and strength ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name 
bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yet, yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Church, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord.